0: So a way
1: Politic Podcast,
2: the show for normal Americans. from this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony
3: Reed. Hey. Um <laughs> as you can see, Whoopi is not here. She has COVID. it's back but she's on the men she's on the tail end and she'll probably be back this week but I'm sorry she's not here for those of you who are looking forward to seeing her a lot this summer people are writing on Facebook when are you coming back I'm, I'm sure you're uh, missing everything we want to hear what you have yeah. to say so let's say what we have to say today okay. um, Trump had his fourth indictment <laughs> um, oh, <that> was counting? <laughs> he was indicted by a grand jury along with 18 of his allies including Rudy Giuliani and Mark Meadows yeah <laughs> trying to overthrow the uh, election in Georgia. Um, so he's facing 91 felony charges. Yes, he is. Four indictments in various districts, an array of civil cases. He was twice impeached, as you always remind us. So is there anything that we can do to stop this guy from running? Because, obviously, he's a traitor. So he's gonna get convicted. The larger question is, why
2: is he even allowed to run? And, you know, and I've said it over and over again now there are these legal and Alyssa and i were talking about it earlier there are conservative legal uh, minds mm-hmm. and experts that are saying that under the 14th amendment he is not even allowed to run even though he hasn't been convicted yet because the 14th amendment says if you've participated in public office after taking an oath to this country in a, in an insurrection you're ineligible to run mm-hmm. so oh. i really think There's- that this legal theory is something that we really need to concentrate on. Instead of concentrating so much uh, on the indictments, I mean, I'm very excited about them myself, but I definitely think Fourteenth Amendment all the way, mm-hmm. and well, just prevent to it me, from running. Car, like this
3: in, is one of the many tragedies this this summer uh, due to climate change. Yeah. This is another one of those. They better Maui deal with this. This is the this is the whoa. one number one existential problem in this. They, it yeah, rained now. three months worth over and, 24 hours. But when I hear Republicans say, "Oh, it's not man-made. It's not about fossil fuels," you know, when Trump was president, all of that went up. The fossil fuel yes, usage went up, and because the regulations the went to the down. planet. Please don't vote for him.
4: And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 6th of September, year of our Lord, 2023. I had some mic problems last time. Sorry about that. Did not know. Seems like she's on board today. Love that intro. Yes, 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 yes. COVID. I said it. I said it was going to come back. The election was coming, and they're going to be back into COVID, and my friends, I was right. Yes. D.C., Maryland. There's a whole list of places going back into COVID restrictions. Ha! What about them biscuits? And I just love that the view could, yeah, it's Trump's fault. It rained at Burning Man. Yeah, sure. But technically, it is not the dumbest shit ever. This is actually on the peacock, the cock of peak. <laughs> president Biden, I guess I didn't want to leave it this way because it's doing this directional thing. President Biden has literally been treated harder than any president. Yeah. Yeah, they said that.
5: you write, Biden considered his poor approval rating a failure of the media, which someone neglected to note all the ways in which his administration was superior to Trump's. It was also a failure of his own White House to effectively communicate. He complained that there weren't enough surrogate on television defending him. I- I'm shocked to find out that a White House believes
6: they
7: have a communications
6: problem, not a substance problem. Right. So I think that uh, Biden has of course, every president who suffers an upside-down approval rating is going to moan about the media. And I think that there is some truth to it in his case, where uh, Trump... caused the media to go so to become so emotional mm-hmm. to get so engaged in covering all the high drama and i think with the biden administration there's this been this desire on the part of the press to reassert its standards of objectivity so i think on certain measures he's probably right he has been covered probably tougher than he deserves but also there's i no think
5: curve there's no he's not being graded on a curve
6: no sometimes he's not being graded, graded
4: no. on a curve no. no only on meet the press does that come across as okay Anybody else would be like, oh, fucking hells no. Are you stoned? You guys haven't done anything for this guy. He's just gotten away with actual murder of 13 vets. Yeah, I said it. Some stuff before we move on. We're changing the show up today. I want to get some funny in because we don't do funny anymore. And the world's already pretty depressing. I, I ain't making it better. So we're going to do some fun. So... We kind of covered this, but it was after a FOIA quest, the Biden administration informed us that it found 1,200 pages of documents related to the unlawful targeting of radical traditionalist Christians. This begs the question, what is in these pages? Previously told you about the Freedom of Information Act, uh, radical traditionalist Christians, specifically the FBI intelligence analyst wrote that what is called a Domain Perspective. I don't know why I said Domain, i watch been watching a lot of British TV. I'm watching Gangs of London. That fucking shit's so violent, you gotta watch it. It's on HBO Max. Uh, domain Perspective, a memo outlining the ideas and habits of group under surveillance, i.e. conservatives and pro-life Christians and churches. The ACLU then leaped into action and sent a FOIA to the FBI in order to expose who in the FBI knew about and was behind the abhorrent memo. When the FBI did not comply, we went to court. The Biden-FBI had just informed the ACLU and federal judge that it found 1,200 pages of potentially responsive documents to our FOIA and need more time to continue further searches. This begs the question, what in the world is the FBI doing looking at Christians? Well, uh, they hate Christians. The left hates Christians. We are worse. We don't blow shit up. But we don't conform to everybody's racist and tranny stuff. So of course they fucking hate us. And I say us because I am a Christian, I'm not to church, but I believe. Other tweets, details of undercovers include those churches in multiple states with no indication of reasonable suspicion or probable cause. Details about senior executive approving operations without raised knowledge. The scary thing is that the criteria for the definition of a radical Christian and who created it. It all goes with the christian nationalist. They needed something because mega ain't working anymore. Remember they fucked mega up with ultra mega, super duper mega, mega mega mega, a mega with fries. Then there's this one. Today in the deadline for the National Archives to produce the records related to the VP Joe Biden's pseudonyms. NARA has informed us that the emails and records have been sent to Obama and Biden for approval. So you do illegal shit as a vice president and the president using inappropriate email procedures and you get to approve if it's going to be looked at. Really? We impeached a president twice for a phone call that Obama did in person when he talked to Minnedev or whatever the fuck his name is. Oh, more room. I got to remember, remember, And then Biden's caught saying, "Hey, lie about the Taliban taking over your whole fucking country because I don't need the bad press." It was the same phone calls. And now we find we have this Ukraine thing where we're spending billions of dollars. I don't know. I move my hands like this. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. Uh, what the fuck? Glenn Greenwald, the top two priorities: CIA and the Secretary of State. Infinite prolong the war in Ukraine to weaken Russia, control online political speech to banish dissent. Liberal left overwhelming support both. The few oppose, like Cornell West, are denominized. CIA, Democratic Party is a party of CIA, FBI, the union of state and corporate power, neoconservatives and non neoconservatism, servitude to the corporate class, to range disinformation campaigns. Everything he's saying is 100% true because that's what we're doing. We're, we're going into we're We're just going straight. we're just going straight the fucking to crazy town Crazy town. That's what I'm saying and then last, but not least, this is real. I'm not making it up. Oh, didn't mean to do that. Sorry. That's for next segment. We are told all the time that the right is a bunch of Nazi, seditionist cocksuckers. Which we have a whole bunch of that in our media section today. The, the charges these people got for not even going on the Capitol is just unfucking believable. Nobody's gone to jail. Nobody's gone to jail for burning the country the fuck down. We're not covering that. This is what libs of TikTok got. I can't wait to torture you in a shipping container with all your little Nazi friends. Although I assume they'd start raping you five minutes after you got locked in, which is only a fraction of what you deserve. Looking forward to meeting up and making this dream a reality. Miss Dolly Pardon they them tranny person. And that's her. A pothead. I looked her up, found it. All her accounts are now on lockdown. But that is her TikTok account. So that's okay. That that that's good. There, there's nothing wrong with that. You you can say things like that. And that puts you on the good team. Because you're a Nazi. You know, you're a Nazi. And, you know, I got it. You know, people are bad. It's it's just... I just don't understand us anymore. I don't even understand the country that I defended for 20 years. I don't understand how that's okay. And... Praying on a sidewalk if you're pro life gets you thrown in jail. Those are bad people. Not wanting babies murdered. But that person, that's a good person. So, going to move forward now. Um, fun section, lighter fare. Going to have two subjects going to cut. First thing is Kim Thale. The greatest guitarist that ever lived in my book, because he's from Soundgarden, my favorite band of all time, and I was going to be wearing the hoodie, but I'm not cold. Uh, Finally got a signature guitar after way too long, and so here is his five greatest solos. (laughs) There it is. The Thale-X Guild. Only $900. Tony's not gonna get it, but that sucks. Uh, beautiful guitar. Murray, Kentucky. Lake Murray had an alligator in Kentucky. I Wanted to cover that, because that's just fucking crazy as shit. Then... I hope you haven't seen this and I'm hoping you're watching on video because this was, uh, uh I've been following these crazy accounts. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to settle that, set it up. Just watch this video. It's fucking hilarious.
7: Police Division responded to a call of a man driving eastbound on 275 with a Watusi bull in his passenger seat.
8: Uh, Well, uh, the officers received a call reference, a car driving into town that had a a cow in it. Um, They thought that it was going to be, you know, like a calf, something smaller, something that actually fit inside the vehicle.
7: And the vehicle was big enough. Well, technically,
8: as a result, the, the officer performed a traffic stop and addressed some traffic violations that were occurring uh, with that particular uh, situation.
7: The occupant of the vehicle was identified as Lee Meyer of Neely. The Watusi Bull's name was Howdy Duty. He was immediately pulled over by Norfolk Police and they performed a routine traffic stop.
8: The officer wrote him some warnings. Um, there were some citable issues with that situation the officer chose to write him a warning and ask him to take the animal back home and and to leave the city.
4: Meyer and Howdy Duty are on their way back home. That has to be the craziest shit I've ever seen. I mean where did he think that was right or even crazy or even possible anyway. Uh, on to other things. Asteroid 2020 GE made a close approach to Earth. Speed site, proximity revealed by NASA. It was a huge-ass one. We are having a lot of asteroids coming at us. And then it brings out my space geek, because we're coming up to the October 14, 2023 Ring of Fire Solar Eclipse. I'm planning on going to far west Kentucky or uh, Tennessee to watch this. So here is a video breaking it down, and we will go straight into our military corner, which got jumped up yesterday because of the video you're about to see. But I forgot something. I want to give a shout-out to my brother who sent me this yesterday. I hope you can see this. Just a note to tell you. And remember, I left home when he was nine. And this little fucker now, of course, is a grown-ass man and he's got a better beard than me. But he fucks me up with this game all the fucking time. This is... It's fucking master level circle game. That's some good shit. I didn't even think about it. I should have thought about it because I'm the fucker that taught him how to fucking do this, but the master is now the apprentice because the Padawan is the master, and I just did a bunch of karate Star Wars mixed-up analogies, but this is good shit, Matto. That is some good shit. So Matt in Oregon got me good motherfucker, I'm going to get you back though. So now we go into military corner.
9: Ladies and gentlemen,
10: please join me for the benediction. Most holy God, we thank you again.
4: Here's a guy who is so long overdue for his Congressional Medal of Honor, and the commander-in-chief awards it to him, and then he walks the fuck out. The very elderly... Hero of our country has to wear a mask, but the guy whose fucking wife has COVID, but he doesn't, he doesn't wear a mask. So many tweets. Joe Biden just bolted out of room immediately after wearing the Medal of Honor to Captain Taylor. The ceremony continued on for several minutes afterwards. Biden completely missed and concluded prayer. Missed a concluded prayer, concluding prayer. Deuces wild. Where's the mask they announced he'd be wearing? Uh, it, I was thinking depends overflow or double makeup failed and had to run. Well, did he shit his pants? They're not mutually exclusive. The camera girl was like, what the fuck? When my mom was dying of brain cancer, Shed got up every day dozens of times to go to the bathroom because she literally forgot she'd gone just minutes before. POTUS behavior reminds me exactly of that. So here's the actual ceremony and it's pretty fucking bad because you can barely understand what this bumbling fucking idiot is saying.
10: One of the toughest military courses in the world. For nearly 20 hours every day they'll run, march, swim, and climb some of the most challenging obstacles under the most grueling of conditions. But most importantly, they'll learn how to lead, studying the stories of our greatest nation's warriors. They include the story of a pilot who 55 years ago risked his own life to save a group of young soldiers like them. The pilot we honor today, Captain Larry Taylor. The Medal of Honor is our nation's oldest and highest recognition of valor. Now, when I called Larry to let him know he finally was receiving this recognition, his response was, I thought you had to do something to receive the Medal of Honor. (laughs) Let me say that again. He said, I thought you had to do something to receive the Medal of Honor. Well, Larry, you sure in hell did something, man. If you ask anyone here, I'm pretty sure they'd say something you did something extraordinary. That includes our Secretary of the the Defense, Austin, uh, Secretary Austin. Secretary McDonough, the Army, the Secretary of the Army, Warmouth, Chairman Milley, and uh, Senator Blackburn. Where's Senator? Uh, Senator Blackburn. And also Senator Haggerty, who all joined us today. I also want to thank previous Medal of Honor recipients who have come to recognize their brother-in-arms. Pryor Davis, Walter Marm, and James McLuhan, and Leroy P.T. Pete Petrie, excuse me. Gentlemen, you're the very best the nation has to offer. We owe you. The same goes for Sergeant David Hill, Vietnam veteran, former firefighter, and as the last surviving member of Larry's mission, the driving force behind his Medal of Honor nomination. On behalf of our nation, thank you all for being here. And finally, Tony, Larry learned many ranks and call signs throughout his military service. He earned them. Captain, Dark Horse, Mustang, and probably a few we can't say out <laughs> loud. Best left out of the presidential record, I guess. <laughs> but I believe, I believe that Larry is most proud of being called your husband. And uh, it's an honor. It's an honor to have you both here as we give this heroism its full recognition that it deserves. Born in the volunteer state, raised by a World War II veteran, duty defined Larry Taylor's life from his earliest days. As a young man, he volunteered to join the college ROTC unit at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Then, after graduating in 1966, he commissioned as an armor officer. Larry had dreamed of leading in leading men in the battle on what he called chariots of steel. But it didn't take many days on the ground <laughs> for Larry to realize he belonged in the sky. He wanted to be a pilot, not just any pilot, a Cobra pilot flying the newest, fastest, deadliest Army helicopter at the time, a gunship built for only two people and their ammo. So, when Larry was ordered well, and when Larry's order was offered a spot to fly in the Fighting First in Vietnam, he jumped at the chance. It was there that then-Lieutenant Taylor would go above and beyond the call of duty, quite literally. June 18th, 1968, it was pitch black, no moon, no stars, no light beyond the glow of Lieutenant Taylor's cockpit controls when he heard a whisper coming through his radio, we're surrounded. We're surrounded. That's what he heard. The call had come from a four-man Army patrol unit just northeast of Saigon, a unit that included Sergeant David Hill. Earlier that day, the men had set out to recon the area. But in the dark, the men found themselves in the middle of the Vietnam-Viet Cong stronghold. Nearly 100 enemy soldiers. Now encircle their unit. The men picked up the radio and made a call. It was no longer a recon mission. They needed a rescue mission. Without hesitation, Lieutenant Taylor and his co-pilot began racing toward them. Over the radio, he laid out the game plan. He would use his cobra to give the unit cover until a rescue helicopter could extract them. That was one, there was this one simple problem. It was pitch black. Lieutenant Taylor couldn't determine exactly where they were. So, he asked his men to launch a flare, a move that revealed their location to him but also to the enemy. Lieutenant Taylor knew the risk, but he was ready. Over the radio, he said, let's get to work. A flare went up, and the flight, flight was on. The enemy fire lit up the night. Lieutenant Taylor and his co-pilot dove down, positioning their Cobra nearly parallel with the Viet Cong fighters. They flew dangerously low levels for more than a half an hour, firing thousands of rounds of rockets to cover the ground co- cover the ground on which the men were. Then, Lieutenant Taylor heard a sound. Not only meant one thing, his helo was hit, and then was hit again and again and again. At that point, according to Army standards, he could have left the fight. But Lieutenant Taylor had his own sacred standard. Quote, you never leave a man on the ground," end of quote. He tried to find an escape route for the unit, his Cobra taking more rounds as he did. He kept trying to radio for rescue, knowing that he and his men below were almost out of time and ammunition. On his last try, he learned that any attempt to save the men had been called off. The rescue helicopter was not coming. Instead, Lieutenant Taylor received a direct order, return to base. His response was just as direct, I'm getting my men out. I'm getting my men out. Lieutenant Taylor would perform the extraction himself, a maneuver never before accomplished in a Cobra. Remember, the Cobra was only a gunship only. It had no cabin for passengers. But that was the least of his problems. First, Lieutenant Taylor needed to give his men a way out of the rice paddy, where they'd been pinned down. He needed diversion. So, despite the fact that he had no rockets or rounds left, Lieutenant Taylor drew the enemy fire himself. Using his landing light to trick the enemy into thinking he was still at ammo, he started making runs on the Viet Cong fighters. The ruse worked a few times, but it was enough for the men to make it to the extraction point. There, still under heavy gunfire, Lieutenant Taylor landed. The men mounted the exterior of his his helo, clinging to the skids, climbing on the rocket pods. Within seconds, Lieutenant Taylor was back in the air, but the mission wasn't over. Lieutenant Taylor saw his fuel light flickering. He had started off with 1,600 pounds of gas, and now he had about six not enough to make it back to base. Worse, the soldiers he was carrying were covered in wet mud and clinging to the Cobra against 50 knot wind, knots of wind. Even if he could make it back to base, his men would freeze or fall first. So, he once more risked his own safety for his fellow teammates. He located a friendly area to set his bird down. The four men dismounted the helo and disappeared back into the pitch-black night. No moon, no stars, no light beyond the glow of their faces when they briefly turned and saluted Lieutenant Taylor for saving all four of their lives. He wouldn't see some of these men again until 30 years later at Army reunions. By that time, Lieutenant Taylor had long become Captain Taylor. He had flown more than 2,000 combat missions. And he received a Silver Star, a Bronze Star, two Distinguished Fine Crosses, and 43 air medals. Thank God he's not putting them all on his chest. He'd have trouble standing. (laughs) Incredible. No, really, think about it. It's incredible. But the greatest honor of all, families showed up at these reunions, too. They'd look for Larry. They'd hug him. They'd say, you don't know me, but you saved my daddy's life. In a few days, young soldiers about the same age as Larry was during the dark night in Vietnam. They'll arrive at ranger school. Like all of us today, they're inspired by his story, and they will be. But how, by how, he refused to give up, refused to leave a fellow American behind, refused to put his own life above the lives of others in need. When duty called, Larry did everything, did everything to answer. And because of that, he rewrote the fate of four families for generations to come. That's valor. That's valor. That's our nation at its very best. And that's why it's now my great honor to ask Lieutenant Colonel Ann Hughes to read your Medal of Honor citation. May God bless you all, and may God protect our troops.
4: Goddamn hero. That fucking president's a fucking piece of shit. To other stuff, Pakistani premier claims U.S. military equipment left behind in Afghanistan is now in militant hands because you know who gave it to him? Pakistan. Chinese nationalists posing as tourists have accessed U.S. military bases and other sensitive sites. Bet you haven't heard that, have you? Sorry, the wife's out and about. I'll make sure she's okay. Chinese, Chinese. All we hear is Chinese. This is from military.com. No, I think I fucked up, didn't I? Yeah. I fucked up. 20,000 Ukrainian amputees face trauma on a scale unseen since World War I. Except our guys, which you didn't do articles for. Uh, military.com Alexander Vindman came back up into the radar companies that continue to advertise on Twitter are sponsoring anti-semitism no they're not maybe instead of blaming others you should recognize the value that Twitter plummeted after you took over Somebody responded, "You are a terrible person. You're a liar, and you did bear false witness against your brother and sisters. God will hold that accountable." Meanwhile, do not push your view of anti-Semitism on me. The ADL is Jewish BLM, and the Jewish mom isn't having any of it. He got dissed, but that once again, I, I only cover it because that guy was supposed to be a paradigm of non-partisanship, and he's a far-left liberal. State Department sought to ease diplomat pain over Afghanistan with therapy dogs. The therapy dog's getting on my fucking nerves. Everybody I see with a therapy dog doesn't need therapy and shouldn't own a dog. And how do you even verify it? I can go out and make a tag, therapy dog, don't touch, put it on Betsy and take her everywhere I want to go. The guys that are really fucked up don't have it here's another Hippocratic thing or hypocritical thank you Massachusetts calls up National Guard to go cope with migrants as protests rage (laughs) yeah that's great and then this is our good story before we go back into ugly shit this corporal got up and he is holding an E-7 billet in the Marine Corps transportation guy so a four-star general comes, he doesn't know it, and he's going to get an achievement award. So he goes up and gets achievement award, and the four-star general says, got anything you want to say? And he breaks out the greatest speech ever about we're all here, and we're all going to die, but we got to do good things with our lives, and as brothers, we will, because we work together, and we depend on this, and the guns depend on us and these people and just fantastic speech and gets promoted to E5 on the spot. And I thought that's fucking awesome. A corporal who is nobody in his family has ever served. And then he serves. So good on fucking him. Back to the media. ABC shocking Trump tied with Biden despite baggage. Irony alert, MSNBC hosts and since Trump lawyers go on TV because they crave attention.
11: Oh, really? I don't ask you the question I asked Tim Kaine uh, towards the end there. It, it is kind of shocking in a way that despite all of the baggage that Donald Trump carries, he's tied with Joe Biden right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, George, when I looked at that recent poll, the Wall Street Journal, I I said, oh, this could keep me up at night. Look, the problem is, and the biggest challenge we face is is Democrats. I say we because... I'm a Democrat, is that young voters, young black and Latino voters, they're not ready to come back to the party. They're not even looking at the the so-called messaging that's being sent to them about the economy, about climate change, about student debt relief. They are worried about their future. And right now, they're looking for a leader who represents their values and their vision. And I think the, the president's campaign is going to have to really you know, go deep and go hard to motivate those voters to come back within the Democratic Party coalition. Because without them, it is a tight race.
6: Um, If I could, I want to go back to one point about Eastman, uh, which I think is a valid point here. you know, Why is he going on Fox News? Why is he creating more problems for himself? I think this is sort of the underlying issue here that's happened, which is previously obscure lawyers like John Eastman, you know they yes they found an, an immense amount of legal problems from their actions leading up to the 2020 elections and the certification they've also found a fair bit of celebrity uh, john eastman is now a celebrity on the right he goes to confabs and conferences he's hailed as a hero uh in certain quarters of the conservative movement and so there is an impulse that he is trying to resist not very well to go out and be celebrated go out and do tv hits on fox news I think that impulse is problematic, ultimately, for these types of figures, uh, because they're going to lead them to say things like he did on Laura Ingraham's show.
7: Mm, it's a good point. And you could say the same about Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell during the 2020 right. election. Why were they doing it? Relevance. They were on TV. People were talking about them, something.
4: Tammy Bruce comes in on this one because that was, of course, George Schnuffa a who said stunned Sunday by 2024 election polls showing former President Trump and President Biden tied at 46%. During the segment this week, Stefan Lanz brought up a Wall Street Journal poll released over the weekend showing support among Trump and Biden split directly down the middle. Tammy Bruce, he wouldn't have been stunned if he had taken seriously all the other polls indicating the intense unhappiness of America in general. Our decline is artificial in Biden's doing. So get used to it, George. I defer to a different... um, line of thought. This is the world the left made. You have spent, since 2016, us and them bad people. And you do it continually. So of course, everybody's digging their heels. And this is George Bush all over again. The more you tell people you're garbage because you won't vote for Biden. The more people go, fuck you, I'm voting for Trump. The more you do stupid charges. And... I mean, for fuck's sake... Hold on a second, where is that? Sorry. I want to find... Six six This one This came out this week. Techno Fox shows Fannie Willis is guilty of the same conduct she charged Georgia defendants with. I ask everyone to read these cases. None of them hold what D.A. Willis say they do. False representative court made D.A. Willis guilty of the same conduct accused of the defendants. It's a violation of Georgia Code sixteen twenty twenty one. And he goes down to break it, break out that pretty much everything we're charging Trump with right now and other people was exactly what they did in 2016. You wanted faithless electors. The media called for faithless elector. And there was one. There was almost five. But one of them. I don't know why I'm doing that today. I got this hand thing going on. Um, One of them did it. Which is against the law. But we didn't charge anybody then. No. Why would we? And then you put on top of all this. The icing. This Bumbling fucking idiot. So you're going to see Joe Biden say that Trump never built anything and he's building shit better. Joe Biden saying, hey, I ain't got time to go to Palestine. I got a lot of things going on. And then Peter Ducey asking Jean Pierre, blah, 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 why they treat him like a baby. I'm not going to play the fact that they actually said he was going to be in a mask because we already hit that earlier. He wasn't in his mask
10: we also passed the bipartisan infrastructure law you can't have the strongest economy in the world with a second-rate infrastructure can you believe we used to have the best infrastructure in the world and then we fell to the number 13 in the world roads bridges entered the whole deal 13 the United States of America 13th in the world but guess what Guess what? The great real estate builder, the last guy here, he didn't build a damn thing. Under my predecessor, Infrastructure Week became a punchline. On my watch, infrastructure has been a decade and it's a headline. And folks, we're investing in America. Now
4: roads, bridges, ports, airports.
6: Well, I said in March that you would go to East Palestine, Ohio. You came here. How come you haven't gone to East Palestine yet? Well,
10: I haven't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. There's a lot going on here, and I just haven't been able to break. I was thinking whether I'd go to East Palestine this week, but I then was reminded I've got to go literally around the world. I'm going from uh, from Washington to India to Vietnam, to, and so I, it's going to be a while. But... Uh, we're making sure that East Palestine has what they need materially in order to deal with their problems.
7: President Biden is the oldest president in U.S. history. Why does White House staff treat him like a baby?
2: No one treats the president of the United States, the commander-in-chief, uh, like a baby. So there's
7: this book that says that's ridiculous. when staff that's ridiculous back claim. what sounded like a call for regime change in rush to the president, Uh, quote, rather than owning his failure, he fumed to friends about how he was treated like a toddler. Was John Kennedy ever babied like that?
2: So look, uh, I'll say this. Um, There's going to be a range, always a range of books uh, that are uh, about every administration, as you know, uh, that's going to have a variety of claims. That is not unusual. That happens all the time. And we're not going to litigate those here. That's something that we're not going to, Uh, speak to. There is one thing that I do want to, because I think I was asked this question last week by one of your colleagues about this particular excerpt uh, that they uh, were referring to, and so I'll say this, you know, we did see the excerpt, uh, the context uh, of the excerpt, and it seemed to be making the opposite overall point about how the value of his experience and wisdom, resulted in rallying the free world against authoritarianism, which is important. We have seen this. You all have seen this. And passage of the most historic agenda in recent history in his handling of foreign policy, like rallying the world around Ukraine, as you just heard from our national security Security advisor, who laid out in really good questions that your colleagues asked about how the president is moving forward, about Ukraine, uh, about kind of leading into these conversations that he's going to be having at the G20.
8: Given that you said bolstering the World Bank is not about countering China, in this country, credit card delinquencies have spiked, mortgage rates are through the roof, inflation remains a problem. Meanwhile, the federal deficit this year is almost tripled, and the president wants to increase Funding to foreign nations through the World Bank. How is that fair to citizens in, say, Scranton? Look, I think
9: citizens in Scranton recognize that problems that happen overseas don't stay overseas. They come here, too, at great cost to working people. COVID came here from overseas. Uh, When there's massive debt or instability or conflict elsewhere. It has a drag on the global economy, and America is part of the global economy.
7: Two-thirds of Democrats think President Biden is too old to run again.
2: Look, here's what I know. Here's what I can speak to. I can speak to that a president who has wisdom. I can speak to a president who has experience. I can speak to a president who has done uh, historic, has taken historic action and has delivered in historic pieces of legislation. And that's important. When the last guy who was in this uh, in the Oval Office uh, talked about Infrastructure uh, Week, it was a joke. And the President passed a pretty important piece of legislation in a bipartisan way because of his wisdom, because of his experience, and now we have uh, Infrastructure Decade. And it doesn't stop there. It starts Last week, we talked about how the President beat Big Pharma, something that elected officials and politicians have been trying to do for 33 years, and he's been able to do that. And we introduced 10, the first tranche, the the first 10 uh, drugs that Medicare can now negotiate on, right? And it's going to save money for our seniors, for Americans across the country. The the gentleman that introduced the president, Stephen, who's 71 years old, paying $16,000 a month, $16,000 a month just to stay alive because he had cancer and diabetes. And he cannot retire because he's because he has to pay $16,000 a month. And because of the work that this president has done, he doesn't have to do that anymore. And I'll say one last thing. I know you have a follow-up, probably about five more. But let me just say this one last thing is that The interesting thing about this is that the President has done these historic pieces of legislation, whether it's the bipartisan infrastructure legislation, whether it's the American Rescue Plan, whether it's Chips and Science Act, uh, whether it's the Inflation Reduction Act. There are some Republicans, right, in the House, in the Senate that did not vote for any of these legislations that I just laid out, who go back to their state, go back to their district, and take credit for something that the President did. So this is not unusual. They did this in 2019, they did this in 2020, and the pre- they did this in 2022, and the president continues to prevail.
7: Okay, just one more. The president sure. said over the long weekend that he hasn't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. I just haven't been able to break. The derailment was on February 3rd. President Biden has not had a break since February 3rd.
2: The president will go to East Palestine. He promised that he would, and he will. Uh, you saw him
7: on. Uh, so he was not on a break when he was in Lake Tahoe.
2: I will say this again. The president is going to go to East Palestine, as he has said that he is committed to do. You saw him just this Saturday visit uh, a rural area, right, that was uh, devastated. Some parts were devastated by uh, Hurricane Idalia, and he was there with the first lady. They were able to hear f- directly from the American people, and he was able to talk about what is it that they need. What is it? What else do they need from the federal government? So the president is going to go to East Palestine. I don't have a time or or date to announce at this time, but he will go.
5: But how do you defend this administration's role uh, with issues like Russia, China, North Korea, Iran? It seems like in all of those cases, our relationship is worse than it was before.
9: Well, first of all, uh, Russia decided to launch a uh, massive land war in Ukraine. The United States has mobilized not just the West, but a coalition of dozens of countries and more than 140 countries uh, have voted for a U.N. General Assembly resolution condemning what Russia did.
4: Just a fucking hot mess, man. Nobody gets away with this shit. Planes, trains, and failures reveal. Oversight demand info from Butleg on safety woes and nothing's happened to him because he's gay. This is Secretary of Education. I wonder why the US Secretary of Education just deleted this tweet. A little-known fact about me, I love hip-hop. To celebrate the 5th anniversary of hip-hop, I'm sharing this, and it's X-rated. Kill all you hoes, get a grip, motherfucker. Yeah, this album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the building that I was hustling in front of. Called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. It's all good. And that nigga, with the A, not the ER version, in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, baby. Department Education Secretary Miguel Cardone deleted a tweet Thursday showing his music playlist for his bus tour after backlash from the education advocates who expressed a concern about the profanity. Cardona is currently on a bus tour, visiting schools and students around the country, posted a list of songs by artists like Dr. Dre, Big Pun, Biggie Smalls, and Drake. The tweet was deleted afterwards, however, following criticism from education advocates were concerned about the song's references to Dick... Motherfuckers and hoes. <laughs> I mean, you just gotta laugh, because how does it get, how do they get away with this shit? Anybody, anybody else, you're fucked. Yeah. To J6 stuff, Proud Boy leader Enrique Tarito, who is, or trio who's not white, Twenty-two years, he never went in the capitol. Joe Biggs was acquitted of only violent crime he was accused of committing, but because DOJ odiously decided to resurrect a sedition statue from 1861, he's going to prison for 17 years for shaking offense. Once again, they're asshats. What they did was wrong. But you let motherfuckers burn the country down, burn federal buildings. The media defended motherfuckers attacking a federal building, lazing FBI agents' eyes. I don't know why I'm touching my face, but eyes. Hitting them with fucking frozen bottles, burning fences. I mean, what the fuck? And then this. We should have been after secretary Buttleg. United Airlines was grounded half the day yesterday because it couldn't even talk to towers. But everything's okay. Everything's all right. There's, no, there's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. Somehow I fucked all these up. Here we go. All right. I think this is it. This is it, yeah. Facebook Files Part 5,607. Biden White House relied on foreign disinfo activists to pressure Facebook to censor Americans. Internal FBI, FBI, FB, FB docs recently obtained by Judiciary GOP and weaponization show the Biden admin had foreign activists want Americans censored. The UK-based Center for Countering Digital Hate, CZDH, Claim that Robert Kennedy Jr. and 11 others responsible 65% of the anti-vaccine circulating on social media, but CCDH absurd claim about so-called disinformation doesn't was in disinformation itself. First, uh, we'll move on. What other? But that didn't stop the Biden White House repeating the fake stat every chance they got. Jim Psaki received the CCDH disinformation almost verbatim to the country in a press briefing. By April 2021, Facebook employees were pairing the draft memo to Mark Zuckerberg about pressure from the White House to remove the disinfo dozen Facebook was stunned that the Biden White House seemed to be actually believed that CCDH's obviously false stat was relying on the foreign activist data. And then it goes through and her saying this, you remember this? I don't know if I was gonna uh, and the audience it's reaching. Uh, so if you're banned on one, you should be banned on everything. Yeah, that, that came from the podium of the United States. So it's just more of the same. They just they don't believe in free speech. Free speech is for them because they're good and you're bad. This is also a stat you won't see. you won't hear about because they're African American personnel being killed five men have been shot in 200 block of west um excuse me m street southwest one man is unconscious and not breathing homicide has been called this is the eighth person murders of september 1st year to date 185 murders in washington dc and they're mostly black first reply not important trump had documents in mar-a-lago Oil-filled rando, who's now been uh, marked as a hate banter by the Southern Poverty Law Center and Media Matters. The year is 2030. A D.C. judge sentences a man from Wyoming to five years in prison for tweeting Stop the Steal on January 6, 2021. His 72,000 co-defendants are all sentenced to six months probation for liking The tweet first reply to his tweet what we allow will continue what continues will escalate and it's a hundred and thousand million percent true gonna start out another little sound bite with CNN Phil Matley. and then one of the most incredible articles I have or ever will read on this
0: podcast. I've never seen anything like this with Donald Trump. I mean, what doesn't kill you make you stronger? I mean, being convicted, I mean, being indicted. That's making him stronger, raising $10 million, using an ugly mugshot uh, to raise money. This is a movement. And anyone who thinks that you can apply the old political rules to trying to defeat this candidate based on he's scary, he's ugly, whatever you might want to call him, this is a movement. And we have to respect the fact that it's a movement. i also.
12: That was former Democratic National Committee Chairwoman Donna Brazil underscoring. The formidable nature, particularly in the Republican Party, that Donald Trump continues to hold, a new Wall Street Journal poll, well, it backs her up. 59% of Republican primary voters support Trump. He's up 11 points from April when this poll was last taken. Look at this. Trump is still in a dead heat with President Biden in a hypothetical head-to-head rematch, 46% apiece. Let's bring in CNN political analyst and host of the podcast, Conversations with Coleman, Coleman Hughes, as well as CNN senior political analyst, Ron Brownstein. He's also an editor at The Atlantic. His latest piece is headlined, Why Biden Just Can't Shake Trump in the Polls. Mm -hmm. And Ron, I think the the value of this piece, uh, and I say this often about your analysis, is you know, you listen to Donna Brazil, you listen to people talk, and it's just this constant, how, why, why does this keep happening, even after seven years of it always happening to some degree? And your piece yeah. really kind of cracks the code to some degree and, and almost breaking out the why here with four kind of core pillars. What are they?
11: Yeah. Well, look, I mean, obviously, one reason, Phil, good morning, first of all. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Um, one reason is that we're really dug in as a country, and there are not many voters who are going to switch side for whatever reason, whatever is going on. But beyond that, there really are four core factors, I think, that are shaping the environment for 2024. Two of them are weakening President Biden. Two of them are weakening Donald Trump. I mean, for Biden, the headwinds are concerns about his age again today, consistently, in that Wall Street Journal poll, three-quarters of Americans they think he is too old uh, to serve as president for another term, uh, and inflation. Uh, inflation is incredibly scarring for voters, and it is uh, at this point largely eclipsing the positive news that Biden has on a variety of economic fronts, particularly job creation and the jobs that are specifically flowing out of the trio of big bills he passed in past the first few years. So, age and inflation on one side; on the other side, abortion and insurrection are weakening, uh, are weakening Trump. And, and when you add up age and inflation on one side. Uh, and abortion and insurrection on the other, what that adds up to right now is stalemate.
13: Coleman, I want to turn to you because we heard Donna Brazile there admitting something that a lot of people feel like they have known Mm -hmm. for the better part of eight years. Mm -hmm. So have Democrats really made the adjustment that they need to to account for what she's talking about?
9: Yeah, well, it remains to be seen. And and that was a great analysis, I think, by Ron just now. So you've got these, these two factors on each side, which seem to equal each other out. The question is, you know, are there gonna, what, what other factors are going to emerge? So for example, independent voters may end up caring quite a bit about the emerging Hunter Biden scandal, right? Is that going to tip the scales? Who knows? Is there going to be, uh, as the Trump indictments evolve, is the, uh, the, the optics of that going to continue to help Trump within the GOP, or, but, but hurt him with independence, which is what has happened thus far? I think you see this 60% number, right? we should remember before the indictments, Trump was pulling closer to 40%. And that's what I would call, that. that's what you might call like the personality cult. Those are the people that just like Trump no matter what. After the indictments, there's another 20% of Republican voters or so that have come home to Trump because they feel that he is persecuted and they need to rally to his defense by nominating him.
13: Right, not uh, so and- much
9: a vote for him, but in a way a vote against the exactly. forces the various forces are upset with. Exactly, and that might be an own goal because in the end, even though Biden is, is, in some ways, a candidate with some weaknesses, Trump is still not the best bet for beating him. So, in some way, Republicans may have to choose between nominating Trump and beating Biden. And the way things are looking now, it looks like they want to choose nominating Trump.
13: Now, the reason why these states are locked, the reason why this map feels so locked in some is, is in part because of gerrymandering, right? And in part because of our congressional maps. Um, I want to talk about Florida because a judge there has rejected a congressional map that Ron DeSantis was pushing. Um, and so this is a battle and basically where DeSantis is fighting um, with fellow Republicans. Mm-hmm. Now, his map actually eliminated two heavily black districts. Um, can you talk about this ruling in the context of what else is going on in Florida with DeSantis and black
9: voters? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, I think we're you know we're so often in the in the business of delivering bad political news. I think this is a moment for restoring faith in the role of an independent judiciary because what you see right now is a Republican-nominated judge, essentially policing his own side, right? Saying that that is not a valid way of redistricting uh, the uh, the the districts in Florida and that's diluting the black vote, right? That's the role of the judiciary and it restores faith that the judiciary is not just playing politics by other means, but is actually using jurisprudence to uphold the Constitution. Now, in the context of what's been going on, we've seen some other hopeful examples as well. Just a few months ago, the Supreme Court ruled 5 to 4 that Alabama's redistricting was similarly unconstitutional. And Brett Kavanaugh and Chief Justice Roberts sided with the liberal justices there. And last year, you saw New York's highest court uh, where the, in that case, the Democrat uh, proposal for redistricting was was rejected. So we, we've seen some hopeful examples of courts really doing their jobs and providing that check and that balance.
12: Yeah, it's an interesting point, because you see these rulings, and I think a lot of us immediately go, well, that's plus one D in the House races, or that's plus two. Right. You're counting seats as opposed to saying, like, oh, no, okay, we everybody talks about gerrymandering in kind of this amorphous, top-lines, scolding way. This is what's supposed to be.
4: What the fuck? How do those people even get on TV? Most of you will not be surprised by this, but when I read it, I was pretty impressed. I left out the full truth to get my climate change paper published. I just got published in Nature because I stuck to the narrative. I knew the editors were like. That's not the way science should work. The paper I just published, Climate Warming Increases Extreme Daily Wildlife Growth Risk in California, focuses exclusively on how climate change has affected extreme wildlife behavior. I knew not to try to quantify key aspects other than climate change in my research because it would dilute the story that prestigious journalists like Nature and its rival, Science, want to tell. This matters because it is critically important for scientists to be published in high-profile journals in many ways. They are the gatekeepers for career success in academia, and the editors of these journals... Have made it abundantly clear, both by what they publish and what they reject, that they want climate papers that support certain pre approved narratives, even when those narratives come at the expense of broader knowledge of society. To put it bluntly, climate science has become less about understanding the complexities of the world and more about serving as a kind of Cassandra. Urgently warning the public about the dangers of climate change. However understandable this instinct may be, it distorts a great deal of climate science research, misinforms the public, and most importantly, makes practical solutions more difficult to achieve. This was in the free press. But are you surprised? No. There, The moment Chuck... My wife is Hillary Clinton's campaign manager's best friend and a liberal think tank and influencer who runs campaigns for the left, stated the science is settled. Everybody went with it. He gave them the go-ahead. And science is never settled. Science is ever improving on what we know. Things that we believe, like Pluto it's not even a planet now it was for most of my life but science evolved science has been evolving everything we ever thought that's why this segue is pretty sexy this by Jim Psaki on the Democrats abortion claims that are false and their zeal to kill life, birth, babies, is even more preposterous to the American people because science has improved to the fact that we know at 21, 22 weeks, a baby lives, but you want to kill it at 29, 30, 31, 32.
1: I sent out a tweet that seemed to really strike a nerve in the right wing. Here it is. No one supports abortion up until birth. I wrote that because there is a pervasive and misleading talking point that is used by a number of right wing leaders, including presidential candidates on the stage, suggesting that Democrats are advocating for and even rooting for late term abortions of babies who could live outside the womb. This claim that Democrats support abortion up until the moment of birth is entirely misleading first of all abortions past the point of fetal viability do not happen often they are incredibly rare and those that do happen involve agonizing emotional and ethical decisions no one is rooting for late-term abortions no one is running on the platform of aborting viable babies. No one is selling late term abortions as Ron DeSantis claims. Not Joe Biden, not Kamala Harris, not Hillary Clinton, not Nancy Pelosi, or any other politician demonized by the right wing.
4: Yep, that's our media right there. We're just going to cover up the reality that you you don't give a fuck about science. Science has nothing to do with it. It's all about agenda and power. You use these things to fucking keep people quiet and run the country. New poll, 37% of registered voters somewhat or strongly approve of Biden's handling of the economy, while 59% they disapprove. One of his secretaries, when someone tells you America's don't like binom binomics, it's false. Okay. Sounds good. CNBC just released a list of top ten worst states. Guess where they are? Florida, Arkansas, Tennessee, Indiana, Missouri, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Hmm. And finally, and then we're going to uh, move on. In, well, let's get this one first. Um, did I get this one? No, I didn't. UN nuclear watchdog report seen by AP says Iran slows its enrichment in nuclear weapons grade uranium. But they're saying that to basically protect Biden because they're still doing what Obama wants which is you will get peaceful relations with a country that has killed more Americans than any country you went to war with. Any. But, you know, fuck it. I'm going to play this, and then we'll go into our next segment. But this...
1: I can't... I did talk to a number of Democrats last night who are close to the White House when I saw those poll numbers, and I said, hey, that's a little. Uh frustrating a little bit of anxiety there for you maybe and they said no look this is about where obama's numbers were during his re-elect we don't have a primary going on on our side you got all these indictments all the attention on the republican side to donna's point yeah they're really concerned about young minority voters but they are going forward with a very aggressive campaign to try and target some of those groups and they think that they also have another potential advantage which is that guess what the news might be when we all come back or when Congress comes back, they're going to try and impeach Joe Biden uh, based on charges that don't exist and evidence that doesn't exist. And they think that that will just redound to their benefit.
4: So what you're saying is the GOP is going to do exactly what the left did for Trump two times and the investigation into Russiagate and the shit they're doing right now, right? Because it's the same. In this article of impeachment shit, do you notice nobody said it on the right? They're saying it on the left so that they can drum up support for Biden. It's the media pushing it. Hey, they're going to impeach Biden. They're going to impeach Biden, but I haven't seen anybody talk about impeaching Biden. But the media, which is... Really interesting, which takes us into our woke. We're going to start off with CNN promote gay couple fleeing Louisiana for New York. PBS NewsHour, GOP has turned up the volume of violence against trans people. Totally made up. And then CNN cheering on anti-grung group hitting Gen Z. And then we're just going to go into uh, a lot of crazy money. Is just insane. Whether
13: Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Since 2021, lawmakers in more than 20 states have introduced or passed bills similar to the so-called don't say gay law in Florida. That's according to Education Week. Now, the controversial proposals and laws aim to prevent teachers from talking about certain topics, such as sexual orientation or gender identity. Louisiana has its own version of the bill, and now a prominent doctor there says it's the reason he is taking his family and leaving the state. CNN medical correspondent Meg Terrell reports from New Orleans.
9: Yeah, I mean, this is what we called it, our um, wall of love. When Jake
14: and Tom Kleinmahan moved back to New Orleans, the city where they met and fell in love, they planned to raise their two kids and retire here.
13: We built this house,
9: honestly, to live here forever.
14: A pediatric cardiologist, Jake returned to be medical director of the pediatric heart transplant program at Ochsner Health, the only program like it in Louisiana. What do you love about being here?
8: I feel like I really make a difference here. And before I came, any complex patients were having to be sent out of state for mm-hmm. heart transplants. And I felt like the kids of Louisiana deserved to stay in Louisiana.
14: But now Jake and his family are leaving the state after a set of bills passed the legislature this summer that they say make them feel unwelcome.
8: The part that really solidified it for us was when we were watching the Senate Education Committee Um, hear about the Don't Say Gay bill. HP
13: 466 prohibits teacher-led discussions on sexual orientation or gender identity in grades K
8: through 12. To think that if our kids went to public school and they were made fun of because they had two dads, a teacher would not have been able to step in and make a learning experience about different types of families.
14: HB 466 and another bill which sought to require permission from parents for school employees to use certain names or pronouns for students were vetoed by Louisiana's governor in June. And a third bill, banning gender affirming medical care for most minors, overcame the governor's veto and is expected to take effect in January.
8: I'm really sad to leave. Um, But I feel like
15: I just want to point out, not only are they now violent toward our community, which we're kind of used to, sadly, as a community, they're violent toward our allies. They're violent toward corporations. If you remember back to Pride Month when Bud Light and um, Target were threatened with violence um, from these anti-LGBTQ folks. So they've really heated up. Um, and turned up the volume on violence against our community and our allies.
7: And nearly half of the documented incidents, as I understand it, were perpetrated by people with extremist ties. What's the best way, in your view, to confront that?
15: this is really tough this is a tough situation that we're in and what we need to do is see leadership on this and we're not seeing that right now other out of the republican party actually what we're seeing the republican party do is villainize us and marginalize us we're actually seeing faith leaders like the pope who is reaching across the aisle and talking about The church is for everyone, 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 he said a few weeks ago. We need to see the leadership, the political leadership in America on the Republican side stop villainizing us and to stop politicizing us.
7: What's the impact of all of that on the LGBTQ plus community?
15: Uh, It's devastating, honestly. Um, The violence that you talked about, we've seen 350 acts of violence or threats of violence against our community. This is a poll that we do or a measurement that we do with the ADL in the past year. um, We've seen over 600 anti-LGBTQ pieces of legislation proposed since January. There's nine active now bills Um, of don't say gay across America. It's not just Florida and it's not just Texas. What we're seeing is a prolification across the states in America with these anti-LGBTQ bills. And all of that rhetoric, all of that fear-mongering, it turns into violence and hate against our community and it makes it really dangerous for us to exist.
5: A group of young online influencers wants to change the
10: gun culture they grew up in. These Gen Z influencers are now taking to social media in a coordinated campaign to try to curb the use of guns. Here's CNN's Polo Sinovall with more.
5: The next time you're scrolling through a social media stream of cooking content and how-to tutorials, you may be encouraged... What if you could just be... Snug. ...to be snug?
14: Choosing to be snug, safer not using guns, means protecting yourself and others.
5: It's no coincidence that the acronym also spells guns backward. SNUG is a social media gun violence prevention campaign driven by Gen Z content creators. It's organized by Project Unloaded, which is tackling the epidemic of gun violence one post at a time.
1: Let's be clear, this is not a political thing. It's a safety thing, okay?
5: pop culture and trendy topics.
1: Ready with me while I share why we're safer not using
14: guns.
5: Are combined with gun violence statistics to target the same demo that's become increasingly victimized by gun-related homicides and suicides.
15: The leading
14: cause of death for kids and teens in the U.S. is gun violence.
15: The Snug campaign is aimed at teens between 13 and 17 before they've made up their minds when it comes to guns.
5: Nina Vinick is Project Unloaded's founder and executive director.
15: We are completely sidestepping the polarized partisan debate that we've all seen play out over and over again on this issue. That's why we're talking to teenagers. They can't even vote yet. Though the campaign
5: tries, it's impossible to steer clear of Second Amendment politics. There's the occasional pushback and criticism in the comments. But overall, says Vinnick, young users have been receptive to a message that simply owning a firearm may not make someone safer. She leans on several sources in getting that point across.
15: We're not trying to take away anyone's guns. We're not trying to interfere with conversations that might be happening inside families. We're really just...
4: Since I'm on the doggone phone, here's a Bill Maher talking about how the left really hasn't helped African Americans.
16: Liberalism was never uh, shoplifting is progressive right <laughs> yeah and we we weren't interested in legalizing uh, shoplifting or I, I guess we should call it justice shopping, but you know in Minnesota, for example, I think it was Minneapolis after the George Floyd murder and the riots, I think there was uh, a movement to disband a lot of the police and they did I think a lot of the police were let go or somehow the police force was was a lesser force than it was and what happened was of course crime went up in certain areas and a lot of the officers who had been fired or let go or quit or for whatever reason they weren't on the force anymore they were hired as private security by who the rich people who could afford to do it So their neighborhood stayed safe. Uh, So that wasn't exactly, I thought, a victory
5: for liberalism. No, it's the opposite. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Austin defunded the police and then refunded it. And refunded it by far more Mm. than they defunded it. Because they just course corrected. They went, okay, this is not working. We have to do something to fix it. Which makes me very happy. Because I was really shocked that they wanted to do that. Because there's a lot of crime. And where my club is on 6th Street, that's a wild place. 6th Street gets wild. And there's a lot of crime there. And there's there's a good police presence there. And we have a lot of police at the club. We hire off-duty cops uh, to work the club and a lot of security. We want to make it as safe as possible. But the, the streets in the city, like, you know, from pandemic on, it's just, it's not good. You know, it's, it's sketchy. And I'm glad they recognized it and did something. Well. Because sh- so many places just aren't course-correcting. Chicago. Yeah. I, I mean, not... Not
16: just the places where, I mean, uh, m- murders have been happening way out of control in Chicago, uh, among the African American community for far too long, and not really reported, in the same w- in the way that they should be. It, it's right. amazing how uh, black lives don't seem to matter when they're taken by black lives. Right. Uh, but but I mean now, Chicago. My friends who live there say it's not safe anywhere. Yeah, it's-
4: and I'm sorry about that. I had a doctor's appointment, and they canceled it, but I didn't need it anyway. Now that I'm on my new meds, I just have to get approval for a <sighs> acupuncture. That's what they want to do next. Acupuncture and deep tissue electrocution or some shit. Don't want to know about it. I ran into a crap load. And let me take one of my buds out so I'm not yelling. This is the stuff that pisses me off. Rando Land U.S. In 2021, the Department of State awarded $32,500 to Instituto Dominican de Desarrollo Integral to support the first LGBTQI Santo Domingo International Biennial proposing an inclusive, non-discriminatory space open to visual artists addressing the subject love, the language that unifies us all. Now, I'm not going to flip slides. I was going to read you all of these that this guy who's now... Old Oilfield Rando is a horrible person by the Southern Poverty Law Center and Media Matters. He found all these. 23. thirty thousand to Love Foundation to create the country's first ever National Gender Equity Index. The methodology will establish the baseline that will enable Belize to establish allowing the country to have annual NGE index assessments and turn that country into... Us. 23, the Department of State awarded $30,115 to ICOM National Committee of Armenian Museums to support the social inclusion in Glumari through turning two Gurnermi museums into accessible, inclusive culture spaces for visitors with impairment. 21, the Department of State awarded $27,720 to TED. X London Limited to exchange ideas, knowledge, and connect on a number of priority themes, including climate and sustainability. 2022, the Department of State awarded $46,218 to Vanderbilt to implement a 12 week course for pre service English language teachers on diversity and inclusion to support the teaching of refugee youth in linguistically and culturally diverse classrooms. You know we're last and like we're, we're horrible on math. No, we don't need that. We need this, this shit. 21, the Department of State awarded 26,563 to Sexual Rights Center to work with marginalized populations of PLWHIV, MSM, female sex workers, children and adolescents, LGBTQI, and people living with disabilities, PWD, to improve CLM for social accountability and equity, HIV, and sexual rights health. In Zimbabwe, twenty Parma State awarded twenty-six thousand fifty-three to Helsinki Parliament of Grandania Bluca to instruct judges and prosecutors on how to handle cases of gender-based discrimination in employment for Bosnia and Herzegovina. 2023, the Department awarded 27990 to Udrisen Grajana Regional Academy Zaraqajif Demokratu for governing the cost of organizing a series of activities aimed at men's engagement and gender equity in Serbia. 2022, twenty eight thousand to Centro Educatorian Ed- Ed- Norte-America de Guacamilla for English language training for six months for twenty representatives from LGBTQI environment in Ecuador. 2022, 29,756 to miscellaneous foreign awardee to educate and shift attitudes about American literature, American history, U.S. holidays, stereotypes, human rights, gender equity, and global issues in Serbia. 2019, Department of State awarded $30,000 to Migration Policy Institute for a program about how social innovations for refugee inclusion can thrive and become a force for social coercion, economic prosperity in Belgium. 2021, 30000 to foreign awardees to organize photography workshops for amateur photographers in Thailand. 20. Three Parman awarded thirty thousand two hundred and forty four to Centers for Healing and Justice Through Sport to host a one day equality summit focused on gender equity diversity inclusion in Australia. And that's a bus driver. That's a bus driver. We are not only brainwashing every fucking person on the planet, we are turning our schools into incubators of fucking wokeness just to win elections. They don't care what it's going to do to people. They, they just don't care. So... Here's our one and one only, 45 seconds, wokeness destroys your brain.
15: Two things to know, I'm non-binary, I go by they, them, and I work in a store that is pretty much all women. So whenever they're like addressing us or when they're talking, they're always like, hey ladies. So I've taken it upon myself as someone that is non-binary to use this uh to not listen and whenever anyone addresses a group as ladies i am not included so when they say hey ladies let's like stop talking or hey ladies let's like get to work i will do none of it because you're not talking to me you're not talking to me you're not talking to me so i will not listen to anything that is said when it is started with hey ladies i'm a lady not a lady
4: a lady The extent the media will go to for Democrats and people like that are just fucking crazy. I mean, it's just, I mean, what the fuck is that? And then I saw this all over Twitter. And I, you know, once again thought, oh, shit, here we go. The media is going to go crazy. But the problem is it's another Yunkin. These aren't real Nazis. They're Biden people dressed up as Nazis.
9: Christopher, there's a presidential race going on right now. Are you going to vote in 2024? What do you think is going to happen? My vote
5: is useless. I think Biden's bearing Trump because he sends rockets to Ukraine.
11: In, in support of Ukraine,
0: you mean? Hell, Ukraine!
4: Hell, Azo. Only Democrats can get away with that shit. Rob Schneider, if you believe there's such thing as cultural appropriation, then certainly this gentleman is guilty of gender appropriation, which is 100% true. And now we're changing more lyric, our words. Uh, this is a Owen Jones. Again, someone who unironically describes gay people as homosexual is almost certainly homophobic. Hi, Owen. I'm an homosexual. Gay people are, by, defense, d- by definition, homosexual, same-sex attracted. Big, fat, full stop. I mean that most unironically. Hi, Owen. Homosexual man here, and it goes on and on and on, but you watch in time, saying Homosexual will get you in trouble, just like saying that that right there is a lesbian. He claims he's a lesbian. Well, I guess I'm a lesbian, too, because I like women. Oregon's new guideline for sex ed starts kids on a path of questioning their gender from kindergarten. They want to teach four-year-olds that there are many ways to express gender. They also recommend teaching kindergarten the terms Pins and Vagina. But it's not, you know, not brainwashing. No. Oh, wait a minute. Wisconsin School District defends offering kids guides to anal sex and sex kink. Claims the content passed the selection guideline. Uh, It's going to be a bitch, isn't it? That's all right. We'll go around it. Here we go. I'm gathering information, a story about the pornographic book your district currently has. Blah, blah, blah. Flamer, available in at least five schools. Me and Earl and Dying Girl. Gender Queer. Let's talk about it. The book is gay. Continue reading. I don't want to. Here are some of the images that, of course, are in this book because that's uh, the world we live in right now. This book is gay, it's got naked man. Hmm. That's appropriate. Sure, sure. These are also pictures that are in their books. Let's talk about it. Showing buttholes and where to put your penis if you're having gay sex and how to masturbate. Nice stuff. So this is the reply they got back. Sorry, I didn't make it want to make a million slides. I figured I'd just do it this way. KUSD staff use selection and des- deselection guidelines to evaluate the library collection on a regular basis. At any point, they can deem titles no longer meet the need of their school community and process books accordingly. Parents guardians of concern are or encouraged to contact the child. Other than that, go fuck yourself. Because that's how they roll. Atheist drops anti-woman trans author blaming Christians for pushback on his book. I created this sticker. I'm pro-choice, pro-marriage, equity, and gold star atheist. This man is an anti-woman, whips up mob violence against women who wish to speak, and is somehow advising the New Zealand government on sex ed. TERFs using going to bookshops and sticking anti-trans stickers on my book. TERFs put a woman, adult, human, female sticker on my book. The sticker was created by Christian extremist groups. The original woman stickers, New Zealand. They sell them. These fucking people, man, they're just scary. But this is scariest. How we stop this kid from becoming a monster, a call for DV lessons in all schools to address menace of toxic masculinity. Cause he's dressed like a boy. That's very interesting. Then a few race things. Vanity Fair, decades before Ron DeSantis became the nation's education warrior in chief, William Buckery said the right needs to own scholars to preach American principles and natural selection and divine sanction. And it goes on to say that he is ruining education because he doesn't want kids to have books when they're in fucking first through, you know, K through fucking six with dicks in them. I mean, come on, it's not a real big ask. Racist, trying to vilify a school for hosting a play date, exclusively, fuck, what the fuck was that? Um, Excluding white kids. California elementary school reportedly held a race-segregated play date social for all students except white kids. Parents blasted the school on social media. will look back and cringe so hard that we tried to beat racism by segregating kids of color from white kids. Here is the actual picture. Please be a JPEG. Make my life easier. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this is it. If you're black, brown, or API, or parent caregiver, black, brown, or API, hang out. Everybody else, fuck off. I don't know about others, but I'm generally upset about what ultimately boils down to a no whites allowed play date. How is this productive? Why are we continuing to segregate people, let alone kids? Maybe outside the Bay Area, this kind of thing makes sense, but I feel like the people posting this are just a bunch of privileged white and white adjacent parents who have zero connection to true socioeconomic diversity. I wrote to express my dissatisfaction about this event last year, but now they did it again. I feel this is more divisive, and we'll look back in 5, 10, 20 years and cringe so hard that we tried to beat racism by segregating kids of color from white kids. Why are we trying to instill how crucial race is to their identity? Am I totally out of touch? Not that it should matter, but for context, I'm black. (laughs) Pretty much fucking sums it up pretty good. Then you got the race utler, Nina Turner. And I got these, yeah... Uh, rest in power. Takia Young. There must be accountability for the senseless police killing of a 20-year-old pregnant woman. The punishment for shoplifting is not death. Absolutely ridiculous. Community notes. Takia Young was not shot for shoplifting. Body camera footage showed that she tried to run over an officer with her car and was fatally shot. But why would facts ever 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 matter why they, they they just don't not important so since i have some extra time and we're at the end of the show instead of doing something negative again Gigi, the wife has turned into her son and she's spending a lot of times on youtube i don't know why i call time times and she's found all sorts of cool sites, and she watches YouTube while I fall asleep at eight o'clock because of the medicine I take. And she stays up till ten and watches all these shows. Well, last night, she shared a few before we went to bed. First, before I get to it once again, if you haven't watched *Gangs of London*, it's on Max. It's an AMC thing, so you have AMC. You can watch it also. Bra, it's really good. It's some next-level violence. I mean, it's really good. So we were watching that because we finished Game of Thrones for the 50th time, which still holds true. It's just a great show. And we went to bed to watch YouTube. And she found this 1,000... Let me make sure I got the right name. YouTube. YouTube. Um. She found music once. And one of them is called Rockin' 1000. And it's 1,000 artists playing stuff. And then Guitaro 5000, a guy who literally invites people to come up and play or sing with him. Which, you know, some people suck ass. But then there's some people that roll up and you're just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. That shit was good. And this was one of them. So I'm going to play him incomplete as he sings Radiohead's classic kick-ass song, Creep. And then you're going to get Teen Spirit, just a few minutes of Teen, smells like Teen Spirit, from Rockin' 1000. And there's 1,000 people. They're either singing, playing drums, bass, guitar. It's fucking really moving. So this is how we're going to end the show.
0: I can look you in the eyes You're just like an
7: angel Your skin makes me cry
5: You
4: flow like But I'm a creep run right. Well, that is some cool ass shit. Um, it is amazing. I've never been a YouTube guy, um, but she has found so many cool things. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Go to SoundCloud, Flyover Politic with a K, Rumble 482467. Email me at podcast at gmail.com. We're going to go with a 10 September Year of Our Lore 2023 podcast. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the. Yeah, yes, And as always, thank you all for listening, and you take care.
7: Every death is a tragedy, y'all. It's seven lives.